Man, welcome. Good morning. It's good to see you. I'm excited about today. I have a, a question first for you. I'm going to pose it two different ways, though, to get us thinking before I read our passage for today. Uh, first thing I want you to think about just for a minute and share with the person next to you is when I say the word treasure, what's the first thing that pops in your mind? First thought, treasure. All right, if anyone's willing, would you yell out what you first thought of? So, say again, what? Pirates. Say it again. Pirates. Pirates? I had that thought too. What was it? What? Oh, treasure hunts. Okay. Anybody else? Allie? Gold? Yeah, I thought of Scrooge McDuck's money bin. <laughs> I asked my wife and she said, what really matters to you? <laughs> She's better off than me right now. Um, so, but, so uh, think about a little bit more. So we're talking about treasure today. If you, if you open it up, if you want to grab a Bible, you can. We're going to be in Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Treasure. Um, but like what she was thinking about, uh, when you think about treasure, I think we're trying to go to is when your mind is untethered, when you can think about whatever you want to think about, what do you think of? What occupies your mind? What occupies your thoughts? What drives you? When you can do whatever you want to do, think about whatever you want, what do you think about? I won't make you share that with anybody. I just want to get us thinking, okay? I'm going to read the passage. Matthew 6, 19 to 24, and I ask, I love what happens in this room regularly, is that look for, listen for words that jump at you. What is repeated? Uh, if you did have a pen, you'd be circling those things. What, what were a repetitive, right? This is an oral culture. So they say things out loud. So repetition is important. So I'm just going to read it and then tell you where we're going today. Uh, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eyes lamp the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one... And love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. People of God is the word of God. So it's funny as I'm reading this, it kind of feels a little scattered to me when I'm first reading it. So we're talking about treasure, and then I'm talking about my eye and light, and then I'm talking about masters. What is Jesus doing? Where is he going? It feels a little disconnected to me. So in my mind, as we're going today, I think what we treasure impacts what we see, how we see and then there's an obvious obstacle for most of us. I think so Jesus is going to kind of take us. But before we do, I, I keep reminding myself of this. And I want, so if I'm reminding myself, I remind you as well. Um, oftentimes we read the sermon, we read our Bibles like Twitter, right? Heard a guy say this, I liked it. So like last week, Kathy had three tweets on giving to the needy, prayer, and fasting. We can pull those things out and think we deal with them individually, but that's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus has a modern day Twitter thread. So you have to read the whole thread to find out what he's saying. If you just pull a piece out, you're going to miss what he's saying broadly. So I, I keep going back and remind myself, so what has he been saying all along to where we get to today? So I want to do that really quick. Is that okay? So Matthew 4, what is Jesus' like sentence, his sermon in a sentence? Repent, because the kingdom of the heavens is here. Change how you think, he says. This is good news. It's a euangelion. A new kingdom's coming, but it requires change in how we think. 
Then he goes into the epilogue, which we've talked about in here, the Beatitudes. Everyone's invited in this kingdom if you repent. Nothing can keep you from it if you want to become part of it. Then who are these people that live in this kingdom? They're salt and they're light. Salt is valuable. So people in this kingdom are valuable. She's talking to normal, everyday people. You are valuable. You do things that people need. You draw things out of people. That's what salt does. It makes things taste good. It preserves things. The people in this kingdom do those kinds of things. And they're light. They're light and people can see where they're going, what they're doing. So Jesus said, so I, I didn't come to change any of these things. No, he said, you're just not quite understanding what I'm saying or what I've been saying. Laws, the laws are meant to help you do something. But you made the laws more important than anything else. So let me re-explain it to you. And it all has to do with your hearts. 521 through 548, he's dealing with our hearts. There's been, uh, I'm not sure if you use it in here all the time, there's a, an iceberg. Jesus is dealing with what's below the waterline, right? And then he transitions here into chapter 6 last week. There's all these things that are false securities. It's all these things that actually kind of are above the waterline that people can see. But Jesus is saying, why do you do those things? Why do you do the things you do? What's your motivation? Because your motivation shows what's underneath. So this week he gets into even more. So what, what is your motivation generally is your treasure. What you treasure is what you value. It's what's most important to you. It's what you give your attention to. So that's what you're talking about today. What you treasure impacts how you see. And how you see impacts how you live. But there's one thing he's like, you all struggle with this. So I'm going to talk about it. Sound good? So that's where we're going to go. So I'm just going to start reading. We're going to start in the first section, 19 through 21. We're just going to break it down. Work piece by piece, okay? All right. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your heart, you've heard this a lot in this church, life is organized around the heart. The heart is the place where we think, we feel, we will, we choose, we live. For it's from this place we make all of our decisions. That's what he's talking about. From your heart, you organize your life around the heart. So before he says, but what is your treasure? And what's weird to me is it sounds like Jesus is saying, there's almost two worlds. There's the world you currently live in. Don't save stuff here. Save stuff later. But if I just save stuff till later, that is impact how I live now. So I read this as a quote by a smart guy. He said this, as with other references to heaven and earth, we shouldn't imagine that Jesus means don't worry about this life Get to the next one. Because last week, the uh, uh, Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done now. So there's treasure for today. And it's the kind of treasure that lasts into eternity. But it impacts your day today. So you're storing up things for not only for, for later, but also for right now. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So, through getting ready, I found this interesting line in way, way, way back. Moses gives the longest sermon of all time in Deuteronomy. And towards the end, he says something. He says that the Lord's portion is his people. The Lord's portion, what he values, his treasure is his people. That would be us, right? 
We are his people. We are his portion. But usually in the Old Testament, it talks about how God is our portion. So it's interesting. Think about Jesus is leading us somewhere. This whole sermon, he's bringing us somewhere. So as the circle of love, which we talk about, if you haven't been here, you'll hear about it again soon. The circle of Father, Son, and Spirit. They have extended their way of life, living, their relationship, their love, this beautiful dance they have lived for eternity to earth. And as we get swept up into the circle, as we move into it, he is our portion. Guess what? His portion becomes our portion. What he values becomes what we value. And he values people. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. He gave his son to get what he wanted. Us. Jesus made himself nothing, right? Emptied himself. Why? For us. So as he becomes our portion, you become my portion. People. The sermon is all about to me. Jesus is trying to show us how to live in relationship with him so we can know how to be in relationship with other people. The sermon's about people. How do we will love the good of another? We start to see them the way that God sees them. And he was willing to give it all. There's this uh, parable. Jesus has a couple, of, uh, couple pages over. Not sure how much longer it took him to get there. But it's a bunch of parables. And he's talking about this kingdom that Jesus has been ushering us into. And there's a parable about, let's see, weeds, a sower, a mustard tree, yeast, a hidden treasure, a pearl, the net. As you start reading those parables, you start realizing the person, the character in the parable is God. It's him. And there's this one about hidden treasure. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man perhaps that's God, found it, he hid it again. Then he, with joy, went and sold all that he had to go get that treasure. That is what God does. That is who God is. We are his portion. We are what he treasures. And as he becomes what we treasure, you become what I treasure. And then I love you, and I will your good over my own as I become like him. But there's this problem, and that's that, uh, so I'm a part of the treasure, right? Well, what if, what if I'm the only part of the treasure? What if that's how I view it? What if I just, me, I'm the portion, right? Me. And I forget about you. So as I was doing some studying on this, I found that this is actually a really old problem. It's been around for a really long time. So if I can, can we do a quick history lesson that I geeked out about, and maybe you will too, all right? So, right, there's the very beginning of time, there's some people. And the people in this garden, yep, if you go to the very beginning, say, you know, God, I don't know if I trust you all the way. So I'm going to do this my way. I want to determine what's good and what's bad. I'll make those decisions myself, right? So from that point on, though, even though they were fallen, broken people, the world still circled around worship of God. Lots of different gods. And the worship was not all good. But the world centered around a deity, uppercase G God or lowercase G gods. But then this thing happened. This guy came around. His name was Alexander the Great. And he conquered the world with an army, right? But it's kind of hard to keep a world conquered for a long period of time with military might. It's exhausting, right? So Alexander, I think I have a picture of him. It's Preston, slide. It's not a picture. You know, it's a statue. Slide 10. 
So Alexander, though, he had a euangelion. He had good news. His kingdom was here. And what was his kingdom? It was the kingdom of the Greeks. And the Greeks had a way different way of thinking than everybody else. I heard someone say this. If you could sum up, sum up Greek culture in a, two words, it would be my way. Like Frank Sinatra, I, I was going to sing it for him. I'm not going to sing it. I did it my way. That's how it, so Greek philosophers said man is the measure of all things. So the world was focused around deities and gods. But if I'm Alexander the Great and I want to control a whole world, I can't just use military might. It's exhausting. But if I can change how you think with my own good news, well, you will live in my world without even knowing it. So they did some things, this Greek culture. So I have another slide, slide number nine. Did you ever notice in Greek mythology, Mrs. Kuyper's literature class in seventh grade, who do the gods look like? Us. The Greeks remade gods in their own image. So there's this great old quote that uh, uh, God created man in his image and man being the gentleman that he is returned the favor. So they remade the gods in their own image. And, and what were Greek gods like? They were dumb. They were always, they're, they're, they're powerful idiots, I heard, I heard a person say. Who was good in the stories? Who, who was the people? Humanity was smart. These gods were dumb. Who was the best? Oh, it was the demigods who got the power of the gods, but they had the intelligence of the people. So they're remaking the world. It's my way. Everything's about me. And not only did he do that, he brought these pillars of culture with him, and they brought it everywhere. There are four pillars to culture. It was, I think I might have a slide, I'm not sure, healthcare, education, entertainment, athletics. All right. So healthcare, you're now dependent on me to take care of you. I'll take care of you, right? You guys, don't worry about yourselves. I'll take care of you. The system will take care of you. Next was education. If I can control how you think and what you believe, well, there you are. You're living in my world. Next, entertainment. I heard a person say that tapped them into the desires of selfish people. Watch our entertainment. Today, what do we see? They're tapping into our desires, our selfish desires quite regularly. And then athletics is a world of competition. Tribalism. Me versus you, my team versus your team. I heard a person say this, watch our election cycle. Is this our world today? We'll fight about healthcare, education, driven by our media, and we're really, really competitive. This is the world we still live in. So what he did several thousand years ago still impacts me today. So if, if those are things that, if I treasure me, if I'm most important, right, if I'm the portion and no one else is, and you mess with my things, what do I do? I fight, because it's mine. It's gotta be my way. So Jesus says, that's an impact how you see the world. So if it's just about me, it's how I succeed. And those are all good things, by the way, right? We can agree on that. Healthcare is a good thing. Education is a good thing. I love entertainment. I played a lot of sports, a lot of really good things. But what if those things start to get twisted and we start becoming very selfish about them? It's going to impact how I see the world because those are the ways that I, that I get value. My family gets value. That's how I succeed. That's how I rise. That's how, oh. So Jesus says, so those things, whatever you treasure, you organize your heart around, 
and it impacts how you see. Let's keep going. I'm on the wrong page now. 960. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So in Jesus' day, there was a rabbinical teaching. There's a good eye and a bad eye. It was ayin tova, I think, and ayin ra. And it was, it's how you see the world. If I have a good eye, and I believe in a good God, I believe in a God who gives abundantly, who blesses, who's a good father, who loves and is kind. And if I believe in that God, I can see good in other people. And if I'm salt and I'm light, I can draw what is good out of people because I can see it inside of them. Even if they don't even see it, I can see the good things. I'm looking for the good things if I have a good eye. But if I have a bad eye, which means, so a good eye is generous, a bad eye is stingy. So if I have a bad eye, I'm scarcity, I'm fearful. It's mine. Don't take what's mine. Then everyone's out against me and everyone's trying to take my things and everyone's trying to ruin my life. So Jesus saying, do you have a good eye? Do you believe in a good, generous God who loves you? Or do you have a bad eye, which is selfish and stingy? Because how your eye works is how you will see the whole world. And it all comes back to what do you treasure? What have you organized your life around? Because Jesus has been taking us. You're, we are becoming people who can what? In 548, we're perfect like our heavenly father. We're not perfect. We can love like him. That's what it means. We have been healed and restored. We see our own brokenness because we know who we are. We can express that towards other people. So I have a good eye. So I'm willing to hang with you for a long time in life because I think maybe, just maybe, I believe in a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eight chances, and I'll hang with you because I see good in you. You ever had somebody call out the good in you? Notice the really good things, like salt, and just draw it from you? Those are the people that change your whole life. There's an author who said, uh, I said this to people all that, um, she had a therapist tell her that people are generally doing their best. Do you believe that? She said, people want to be good at things. People want to be well thought of, generally, right? You would like to be good at something. People are generally doing their best. And the author who heard that said, no, they are not. They are not doing their best. Gave lots of examples. But then over time, started saying, oh, we're all fallen, broken people. But that, that is a good eye, that people are generally doing their best. Can you see it, though? So there's this line, old line. I think I have a slide for it. Slide number eight. What you look for, you will find. What are you looking for? What are you trying to see in people? We're salt and we're light. That's what we're supposed to do. So Jesus goes on. No one can serve two masters. You'll hate the one and love the other. Or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So the word there is mammon. It's an actual deity. And it's funny, I, we talked about this, actually this passage as a, uh, for our T3 Family podcast. It was funny to watch how we all just arrived at money. Like just in discussing. Treasure, but we all end up with money, my stuff, my things. So mammon though, I read a book is, uh, a while back. And the person described, it's a false security, described mammon, money, wealth as modern magic. So they said this. So if, if we are created for 
if, if the Lord's portion is his people, we're to be in relationship with people. We're supposed to be sharing life with people, desalt and light, drawing out the good things, bringing light to the world. That means we're with people. He said, but assess money right now. Assess mammon. He said, right now, you can order something online, have it shipped to your house. It arrives at your door. That's magic. It, I mean, really? That's magic. And if I don't like it, I can box it back up and ship back. And I did not interact with one person. He said, mammon is modern day magic. It's wild. But mammon, the idea is abundance, which God is trying to say, without any dependence. I don't need anyone until I do. But at that point, I don't have anyone. And they don't want me because I have removed them wholly from my life. So if my life is organized around me, okay, it affects how I see the world, it affects in how I speak about the world. Who wants to hang out with a cranky, angry person who doesn't like anyone? No one. And then the world I live in now is removing all necessary needs for me to interact with anyone ever. Where am I left? All alone. What does the enemy want to do? Like this divide. Hit them by themselves. Because when they're by themselves, I can say anything I want to say to them. And there's no one there to say anything different. There's no salt and there's no light. To say, you know, you know, you are a good person. You, I see so many good things in you. You're broken for sure. But I see good in your heart. You bring joy to my life. I love you when you're all by yourself. There's no one to say those things. And I mean, look at our world right now. There's good things in our world. I'm going to say that first. But people are, anxiety, all these things are going, people are, we're, we're allowing people to be isolated. And we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to, God is a treasure finder. He is looking if our life is organized around him, that means that we become treasure finders. We are looking for people, trying to find people, investing in people. I thought I had a story. I don't think I do. So I've just been thinking like, you know, I always worry about the application. What do we do with this? One, I'm gonna say you gotta keep reading the sermon. The Lord is doing a good work in all of our hearts. But this week, I would just, I've been trying to do this. It's fun when you get to prepare sermons, you think about it a lot more. Take an inventory. What do I value? Where do I give my attention? Where do I spend all my time? When I can think about anything, do anything, what do I think about? What do I treasure, Right? And then this week, would you be salt? Could we draw out good things? Wherever you go, find a person. Like right now, we're going to pray to man, actually. That's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And a person's going to, I hope a person comes to your mind. That's me, my prayer. And that person is made in the image of God. And they are his portion. He wants them. But for whatever reason, 
It's always mind-boggling to me. God invites us into this and asks us to do these things with him. So this week, would you be salt? Would you draw out something good? See something good and draw it out. Sound good? All right, have the worship team come up and we're just gonna pray for a minute. God, I love your, man, we just want to be salt and light. In a world full of people who desperately need to know that you love them, that you are with them, that you are for them, even though you know all the stuff about us and about them and all the ways that, that we have hurt and we have harmed, yet you still we are still your portion. We are still your people. So would you give us your eyes for your people? So I do, I ask you to bring someone specifically to mind. that you want us to pursue with you. And even as you bring that person to mind today, would you, would you already be putting things in our minds, our hearts about them, that you see in them, that you want, you want us to draw out with you? love your invitation to partner with you. You're so much fun. What a fun thing we get to do. And calling out the good we see in people. How different would that be? A bunch of people who see the good and let you do the work with the rest. So I have asked you to give courage, that you would give conviction, that you would push us and challenge us this week to go be salt and to go be light because it is urgent and it matters. So would you just, would you fall on us? Would you fill us? Would you give us your ears and would you send us? In Jesus' name.